Put down that Nintendo power and tune into YTV, because it's time to play some games. It's podcast time. It's podcast time. Hey, listeners, and welcome to A Plus Podcast, the show where we look at Canadian entertainment and dive a little into some of the history and what made it great. I'm your host, D.L. McDonald. And if you're like me, a child of the 90s, then you've already know what's up with this show. We're talking video and arcade top 10. Every Saturday on YTV, you would get a brand new episode of this quite literal game show. For a half hour, you would be blasted with trivia, facts, and gameplay of some of the newest titles for Nintendo products, hidden consoles from SNES, Game Boy, N64, and more. The show first aired in 1991, hot off the release of the SNES. The format of the show left you with no breathing room. They kept the episode packed with info between the main gameplay by throwing to different segments presented by an ever-rotating panel of co-hosts. So first, the host, Gordon Michael Wolvitt, would... Wait. Gordon. Yes. The first season was hosted by Gordon Michael Wolvitt of Andromeda. Hi, I'm Gordon. This is Video Arcade Top 10, North America's premier video and electronics game show. The show where you can win big by either being a studio player or a home player. So where was Nick? No, he was there. He hosted the music segment. Nanacherry and 10,000 Maniacs check in with their hot videos. I'll have some tips for Kirby's Dreamland plus the letter of the week. Then, during season two, Nick moved to the hosting duties for the rest of the show's run. Hey there, Video and Arcade Top 10 fans. Welcome to the show that features the hottest video games on planet Earth. Only on BNA will you get up-to-date info on the latest and greatest games. We also give you tips, tricks, and a whole lot more. And believe me, we have an action-packed 30 minutes waiting for you. So as I was saying... The host would introduce the players and what game they would be playing, along with the parameters of how they would judge the winner of the 15-minute round they would play. All right, our players are pumped and ready to go. Here's how the game's going to work today. The player who has reached the highest level is going to be our winner. If it's a tie, then the player with the most lives left wins. Each contestant would play for a member of the studio audience, plus a home player. During the gameplay, uh, we would learn more about the game itself with some tips, plus we get sent over to the VA crew members for the tip of the week in between the game action. More in a flash, but right now it's time to weave a web into Nikki's court for the VNA tip of the week. In WWE Wrestle Road Mania 18, you can choose everything from hardcore match moves, mad attacks, cage match duels, and grapples to grovel. And before we learn the winner, we get sent over to another host for what's happening in music. There's been a lot of press and excitement surrounding boy bands. Good looks, charm, talent, and sweet to listen to. Catch this wave as you think it over. At the end of each segment, the viewers are given a chance to write in for a prize by answering a trivia question pertaining to what the host just presented. I've got a free CD courtesy of Sony Entertainment. If you can write in with the correct answer to this question, name the title of the song we just featured by Wave. 
After that segment and a commercial break, we learn who the winner is and watch as they pull a numbered ball out of a garbage can or hat uh, that corresponds to something on the prize wall. Or maybe they pull out the red bonus ball and choose whatever they want. Here we go, the ball's inside this here prize tube or your ticket to the bonus prize. The number on the ball matches the prize on the wall. All the glory goes to Rory. Dude, put that blindfold on. Cover your eyes. The red bonus ball is going in. If you get the red bonus ball, you get to pick anything you want on the wall. Take it home. Call it yours. Blindfold is on. Reach in there and pick a winner, buddy. We get a V&A update, which is basically another tip of the week. And then we do it all over again. But new contestants and a different game. Another batch of game tips before we head over to the movie segment. In George of the Jungle 2, our pal George is worried Ursula might be getting tired of George. Take a peek. Two free movie passes or video game rentals from Jumbo Video could be yours. All you have to do is be the first person to write in with the correct answer to the simple question. Name the title of the movie we just featured. Back to the game action, and then it's... It's letter time, it's letter time. That's right, Nick. It's letter time. We hear a fan letter and pop back over to the prize wall with the next winner, and then we wait a whole week to do it again. However, we're not done on this podcast. No, no. Why? Uh, We have a special guest. (laughs) The man himself, Nicholas Pickles. How you doing, Nick? (laughs) I'm doing really good. It's a a beautiful day, and it's, uh, it's nice to talk to you. Oh, thank you. Um, I just wanted to start. Uh, how did you get involved in the show? Um, how did I get involved in video and arcade? I had a friend who I worked with. Uh, I used to work at CFNY, the radio station, 102.1 Toronto. And I worked with Earl and Bev. Bev, I think they left at some point. Or Bev was also working for the TV show. She was a associate producer, assistant producer, something on video and arcade top 10. And she literally called and said, hey, Nick, you'd be perfect for this. And she had recommended me. I'd auditioned for some other stuff uh, with MTV and, I don't know, shows that were uh, scouting in Toronto. But uh, she recommended me for the thing. I came in. I had done a little bit of work with YTV in the past, uh, some music stuff on Lori Hibbard's show. And um, anyhow, I came in. I met a few people. And they said, great. See you Sunday. Uh, come read off a teleprompter. It'll be fun. Wow. And when you started, you were doing the tips and tricks or like the music and video clips? Uh, Yeah, they did. So the the show, as I know, like I remember, but uh, over the years, they would do like you do the games and then there'd be a little side thing that was either a movie or a show or music. And I was, I'm still very much a music person and um, they would come to me for that. And so I did that for maybe a season or two. I was sort of the, the side person or the, you know, not not lead guy. That was another guy. Yeah. <laughs> cool. I don't know what to call it. The host. I would yeah, yeah, yeah. consider that the host of the show. Yeah. Um, was that stuff that you had to come up with yourself or no, it, no, uh, every, I'll tell you everything on that show was, um, other than the letter time song, um, <laughs> everything was scripted on a, on a rolling teleprompter. And there, there was a guy who worked on the show, Ronnie, Ronnie prompter. Ronnie Prompter was like your, you had to pace with him and he had to pace with you. And um, so reading off a teleprompter very quickly became a good skill. Was that his it was, it was all It was all scripted is what I should say. Everything was scripted on the show. Yeah. Was that his actual last name or is that just? 
No, I no. His first name was Ronnie. No one has real last names. Clearly, <laughs> Nicholas. <laughs> there you go. Uh, what do you think was the appeal of the show? I don't know. It just clicked. It worked. The the appeal was um, video games uh, were at the time and still are really a big deal. This was a rare source to see games that maybe you haven't played, I think. So this is, remember, this is pre-internet, pre, you know, not everybody had access to everything. So if you wanted to see a game, uh, you would either have to buy it if it was out or watch it on this show or uh, maybe pick up a magazine. But, you know, seeing kids play it was was much more fun. Um, And it was a fast-paced kind of eye candy show. Yeah. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah, because now... On YouTube, you get like walkthroughs and stuff, and you can watch people do let's plays. And yeah, but you can also scroll through it, yeah. which is different. Like you can just cut to the part that you want, whereas ours was, you know, a traditional half hour broadcast format. Yeah. So um, I know that Gord, who originally hosted, sort of went uh, uh, missing. He, he didn't show up, maybe. No, he, uh, yeah, the story, well, as we were told, um, Gord's obviously a great guy, yeah, very yeah. talented. Him and his brother both, you know, kind of big deals on the screen. Um, if I remember right, there was like, he had an opportunity to do a really cool show and I believe it shot in Australia or somewhere like, like it shot out of the country. Right. And I think it was Australia. It was like an, like an animal show or something like that. Um, and he was told, uh, if you take that and don't make it back, we'll replace you. And that happened. And, um, so I, I stepped into that role and I, again, we were on a need to know basis. Like, uh, I don't think I talked to Gord at that time about that situation. It was just, he didn't show up and the producer of the show, the produce, the original guy that owned video and arcade top 10 was a character and he was a real, like, um, a lot of people found him tough to work with. I got along with him. Great. But, um, kind of a, uh, real creative, um, no nonsense kind of dude to me. And, uh, and I'm sure he played hardball with, with Gordon, and that was it. Yeah. So when you stepped in, was this something you knew beforehand going to the studio that day? Or were they? I don't, I don't remember. I believe it was if Gord doesn't show up, you go in. If I remember that day right, I, did not, I was not aware that that was going to happen until that day. I was coming in prepared for what I usually do, which was a small component of the show. And then all of a sudden, they're like, okay, you stand here and just read that. So it was... Uh, it was go time. Yeah, and it's such a fast-paced show. You need to be on your words, basically. That must have been exhausting yeah. compared to what you were used to. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a lot of work, but it was exciting and fun and uh, made the day go by faster. So I could I could read the prompter pretty fast uh, without messing up too much. And you, you guys were first time seeing the scripts is when the cameras rolled. No, uh, we would always do a read-through, but... I didn't read parts that weren't mine. So at that very first day, yes, it was sight unseen. It was just like, read the words on the thing. And it was fun. And, but then also you kind of knew the games and stuff. So you could, you know, you could read the words or you can understand the words and, you know, tell the story, which is kind of what our job was to do. Yeah. Uh, watching it, knowing that sort of story, I felt like the parallels to, like I used to work at Medieval Times, which was second place prize. Oh my gosh. You're a Medieval Times guy? Yeah, I was one of the knights at Medieval Times. Wow. 
Well, I, clearly a lot of our winners went to medieval times. Our lucky second place contestant takes home two dinner theater gift certificates, compliments of medieval times, the most exciting live entertainment around. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's great. And so, yeah, even there, like you, you would know the show, but if someone didn't show up and they were like, look, you need to do this night's part tonight. You're like, Oh God. <laughs> well, dude, it's like any job. So I've, you know, I've worked restaurant jobs and, um, if the you know line cook doesn't show up, dishwasher is now line cook or whatever. Like you, you know, I, I guess the lesson being with any job, be ready because you might get called on if someone doesn't show up. Yeah, show up and know what's up. So, uh, what was a normal shoot day like? You guys used to shoot multiple episodes. Yeah, we were. Um, it's important to understand this show was live to tape, so it was uh, linear. Mm-hmm. Um, you wouldn't go after and fix it up in post-production or anything like that. You would, what you, what you uh, recorded to tape is what was done. And that went off to the network. Um, The show was co-produced by YTV. We didn't necessarily tape all the episodes there. I think the first season or two seasons taped at YTV studios, like on Liberty. And then, um, and then they would go to a whole bunch of other studios. We worked at the global studios, Don Mills, uh, the Shirley studios, downtown electric images, shoreline, CH, um, and then Pyman, which is a production house that was out on um, Highway 5 or Winston Churchill, somewhere out in Mississauga. So anyhow, you, you, you always had kind of different environments to deal with. Uh, taping days were, for me, extra exhausting because I DJ nightclubs. And uh, where, uh, so I'm living in Buffalo at the time of the, the bulk of the show. Um, I would work the night before till four in the morning get home around five-ish. This is a Saturday night. That's a big night. So Sunday morning, wake up at like, I don't know, seven to get on set. I would have to, I'd have to leave the house before seven to get there by eight. And then, you know, by before, before nine o'clock, you're shooting. So uh, all versions of um, Tired got laid out on that show. That's, uh, that's rough. Yeah, it was... It was a lot. That's all I can tell you. The taping dates, the taping days went good. If we didn't have to stop much, if there were no technical problems, and sometimes you'd have a lighting issue or a camera or the game doesn't go well or someone flubs their line. It was funny. The, the more valuable you were was based on if you didn't stop the show. In other words, if it wasn't your fault to stop the show, your value gained a little bit more. Obviously, there are other components, but you know, try never to stop the show. That is wild. <laughs> and we would do, we would do uh, anywhere between five, seven episodes a day given on the season. And the, the, more, the more tuned up the crew got, if we had a really good crew working for like a season, they would jump in more episodes just knowing we can get this done in a day. Yeah. And is this, this every Sunday? Like- no, uh, every six, well, well, however many weeks. So if you're taping seven episodes, you would go every seventh week or whatever like you would just we, we did a, an episode a week so however that mapped out they would kind of schedule it through the year oh wow and, um yeah it was, it was fun i mean i tell you the, the crew the crew and the cast and and all that 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 kind of chemistry made a difference and we went through a lot of cast and a lot of crew and everybody had their uh, their own quirks and fun parts but um a lot of them still really good friends with i i didn't notice when i looked it up but did this play like year round was it new episodes every Every week, new episode. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's hard to imagine. 
like now, you know, like how <laughs> you couldn't. Yeah, really we didn't. We didn't do like seasons. I don't think. I just know that you know when you did the math, there were you know 50, 52 episodes a year. I think maybe they took a week off here and there. I don't know, but it was it would it would map out to kind of. There was a break in the summer. I think they would you know we would tape uh, six episodes every four weeks, so there would be like a summer break banked. Right. Yeah. So, but it was fun. Like the, the the way of doing that TV, the original director of the show was a guy named Bill Elliott. Okay. Who, um, Bill, great TV director, did Red Green That's Show. Great. Worked with uh, Dan Enright, who, if you've ever watched the movie Quiz Show, key player in that true story. Um, just a just a great director, very calming presence, very much a dad, and um, and just had that that I don't know what, just that magic to to make the the show come together, and then. There were producers on the line. We went through a bunch of producers over the years, but there was, you know, the original guy that, to me, is kind of the heart and soul of the show, and um, and just a really good crew. Like I say, you well, if you've worked on sets, then you know the crew makes or breaks your day and what's on the screen. Definitely, yeah, yeah. And I'm I'm sure that was a it had to be a well oiled machine because if you, you know, <laughs> shot like for the most part, <laughs> yeah, if you yeah. shoot live to tape. They're basically editing it as they go, like camera. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You what, whatever you see happening, you, you're not going to go back and fix up. Yeah. So they would have someone in a in a room saying, "Camera one, ready, pan up, cut the camera." Uh, yeah, there, yeah. That was the the director. That was absolutely. The, so that's what Bill would do, and then there were subsequent directors after that. But uh, yeah, that's yeah, sure. There were the, the camera guys who were, uh, you know, again had to have a good crew, and a bunch of those camera guys went off to become big deals in in broadcasting. So. I'll see their names float around. I'm like, that guy used to be camera three. <laughs> right. <You> know? <laughs> um, I wanted to hit on the, uh, the prize wall. <laughs> <laughs> Looking through some old uh, episodes. Episodes. Yeah. I noticed like around, like when Gord was there, there wasn't a prize wall, right? That that get introduced. I don't like remember. Um, I know when I started doing the show, there was a prize wall. So there's a, it's a funny story that goes along with the prize wall. They would decorate the prize wall with stuff to make the show look snappy or whatever. Right. And one of the decorations was like a, a sailboard, like a windsurfer, like a, a Bic or something. I don't know, some kind of, yeah, I think it was a big windsurfer. Like we're talking early 90s. And when we, you know, kid won the red bonus ball and we're like, pick anything you want. We're expecting the Indiglo watch, the whatever, medieval times. The kid goes, I want the windsurfer. And I kind of look at the director. And I'm like, oh, I didn't know that that was up for grabs. Like, I thought that was just a prop. Right. And um, they ended up giving the kid the windsurfer. But it was, ne- it was never an intended prize to give away. That, that made us laugh. And the, the re- I just remember looking at Johnny, the director, and, and, and I'm like, Johnny, can, can we give the kid the windsurfer? And he's like, sure, yeah, give it to him. Give it to him. Just let's, let's go. Let's, let's tape. Let's give it. Like, who cares? So stuff like that. That was a funny prize wall moment. I will tell you, most kids that were on the show, I would spot them kind of trying to look through the blindfold. We shared a blindfold, which seems crazy at the time, but um, put a blindfold on. They would reach into the, the, the bonus can or whatever the, uh, the top reach into this can, pull out a red bonus ball. A lot of kids, I'd look at their eyeball and they'd be like reaching down. They're picking up a ball, looking at it, trying to pick the red bonus ball. And uh, I don't care. Hey, if you got to cheat and you're not going to get caught, I'm not going to blow you in, kid. Did that get picked often? It must have not been often a, enough. 
single single digit uh, almost. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It was always in there. Some kids would would want. I remember parents would come up. You know, can you show me that the ball was in there so they had the opportunity? And I'd be like, "Yep." Like, wow. Yeah. But so, I, I wanted to know: Did each number have a just like one corresponding ball, or did I don't know? Do you think it was stacked a little? <laughs> um, I don't know. I I don't think I ever like. You never I guess I didn't ask that question. Yeah. My my like <laughs> at this point in life, I'd be like, "How fair is this?" But at the time, I didn't care that much we need to get rid of these fast strap strap timex watches oh the indiglows man was a good watch i remember for a while we gave away a collection of books and our third and fourth place players will be strolling out of here with fudge mania it's a book by judy bloom peter sheila and of course fudge are back and peter once again finds himself trapped in fudge land it's a fast-paced funny novel with colorful antics that will infect kids with giggles and make reading a treat Compliments of our friends at Penguin Books. And I thought, well, this is ironic. It's a video game show. Yeah, they want to play um, games. <laughs> they probably really want to play the game. Uh, anyhow, if they, if they had one, they had already want to copy the game they were playing. But, the, you know, it was just, it was funny. I was like, the look on a kid's face sometimes, they're like, hey, you want some books? They're like, oh, great. Thank you. <laughs> you know, they look less than thrilled, but. Um, the show stretched from like the SNES to the GameCube mm -hmm. and then the Wii was about to drop. But do you think that you guys cut it off at the right time? Um, yes and no. I think you could keep going forever. I think, you know, video games still a big thing. I remember we struggled a little bit with trying to find games that didn't have so much um, uh, graphic violence yeah. was a big problem of, of uh, tr trying to, you know, we'd pick a game and they're like, oh God, uh, hey kids, don't pick the knife or don't pick the gun. So, we, you know, it's like, we're on YTV. You don't want to have gun violence on yeah. the network or whatever. So you would have to be, you know, um, don't think we ever used the word, I don't remember if we were told to use the word shooter. Uh, there, was, there was like a, uh, there was kind of a directive to veer away from the violence. So a lot of games at that time, we're talking 04, 05, 06, it was becoming a pretty graphically violent game um, landscape. And so we would try and find fun games to play. And they kind of often, maybe we played Banjo-Kazooie a lot or whatever game would come up, but um, something that wasn't quite so violent would come up often. We're like, oh gosh, there must be nothing to play this week. Um, so was it the right time? I don't know. Yeah, sure. Anything. We went a ridiculously long time. The show went 15 seasons. I came on at the end of the first season and lasted up till... Uh, the final episode, and um, I just found that script recently cleaning up during my, my COVID cleanup. Oh, wow. I found the final script of Video on Arcade Top 10. So um, what's keeping you busy these days now that you're not VNA Top 10 in it? Um, I do for the last oh, 20, 25 years, I've done a Top 40 morning show in Buffalo. Um, and I've always, I've worked radio since I was 18 or 19, I think. Um, that and then nightclubs and, um, I do music for sporting events. Like, so if you go to a Bills game, I do the music in the stadium. Um, I did the Sabres for a long time doing that, uh, the in arena sort of presentation part of stuff. That's what I like to do. I like playing music for big groups of people. So whether it's a, a nightclub, casino, wedding, corporate event, something like that, that's kind of what I do on the side. So very much music involved. I do production for music. I do um, 
voiceover stuff. I just keep active in, I don't know, media, I guess. And uh, the last little while I've dabbled in children. So I have three of them now. And uh, I can always remember how long it was since VNA because on our final season, I had my first kid. I had my daughter in 06. And that was the last year we taped a video on our K Top 10. And I remember bringing her to our, um, our rap party for the show. Uh, we all got together and I brought her, you know, a little carry all basket thing. And she was factory fresh. She was probably five months old. And uh, so that's how I kind of timeline um, the, the, the age of video in arcade top 10. And since then, I've always, I always kind of multitasked so I, or, or did side gigs. I don't know what the term is. I've always done a bunch of things at once and I still continue to do that. And uh, right now, the main, the main thing is the radio show in the morning, which is doing really well. That's great, man. Is there anything you want to plug? No, just me. I don't, I don't, um, I wish I had an app. Um, um, I would, I wish we mm, would love to be able to plug that we're doing a reboot of VNA and there's been, uh, some meetings involving that of doing some sort of version or complete reboot or something, um, to kind of capture that magic or rebuild it if possible, um, with gamers, um, with different generations, I guess. And so, um, no, I don't, I don't have stuff to plug other than just, um, you know, listen to the radio show. If you're in Buffalo, that'd be great. Uh, (laughs) um, I do a lot of stuff. And so I just, I kind of, I love hearing from people on VNA, um, that watch the show and I've done a few sort of gatherings or meetups or conventions, you know, signing autographs and stuff. I'm always blown away with how many people work in the industry now that work in the video gaming creation, coding writing, whatever, that got their start being fascinated by VNA and how it really like built up to being a, um, you know, a game creator or someone that's, I don't know, half of them, I'm like, dude, you're a hacker. I know a hacker when I see a hacker, you're a hacker. They all got their start just watching VNA because it was such a, a, I think a profound show at the time and, and, you know, pre-internet. So it was, I don't know, it was cool. It was a cool connection with a lot of people. Yeah. That's amazing that, uh, such a small, like what probably seemed like a small show to you at the time, like reach so many people. It was, uh, it, it made a big impact on me when I would see the mail room at the show. So the show uh, had a headquarters, um, 550, 550 Queen Street East. Sweet 330. Sweet God, yeah, wow. And when great prizes, write us a letter and send it in to Video and Arcade Top 10. Care of home players, 550 Queen Street East, Sweet 330, Toronto, Ontario, M5A, 1V2. So that was a place we would go. That's where we'd go do our read-throughs. And that was an office with, you know, stuff. And they did other shows there. They, Robert had a bunch of shows sort of in his empire. We did clips. I was on clips briefly or worked on it. Uh, 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 uh. Yes, it's clips coming at you live from the REO International Studios. Today, our contenders are trying to win it all in head-to-head position prizes, prestige, and a chance to spin the bonus wheel. To win big, all the clipsers have to do is see and see it. So let's do it. Here he is, the most happening host in television history. It's Paul. That's a lot to live up to. Hey, this is the Planet's Favorite Game Show. We're coming at you right here, right now. It's the best television there is. No ifs, ands, or buts. How about it? Now we want you to win, and you know we want you to win big. Um, that was another kind of sideshow on VNA, and we shared some crew. Um, he would have a mail room that was like literally like bags of mail. And I would really stop and be like, just trying to imagine like, good grief, this is a lot of mail coming in just for a show. And that's where we dig in the bag and pull out a question. But, you know, I get to pick 
whatever. And I just kind of random pick it. So it was, it was fun. That was a, a big impact show. And I, again, what was the magic of the show? I don't know. What was it that made it so popular? I don't know. Other than kids love video games or the audience loved video games. Um, there were some really good looking people on the show. Then there was me. And um, it was, you know, it's just, it was fun to watch. You just kind of melt over your mind and we get, parents would write in, oh, I just watched your episode. And I'm like, you're a grown person. What are you doing? But it, it, it appealed to a lot of people, I think. I can't imagine how that mailroom changed once you had the uh, email address. Yeah, it's it totally shrunk it down. But I'm telling you, like back in the day, um, bags of mail, like big, like it was it was unbelievable to me. Just and so it would hit me a few times. Like that's a lot of people. That's a lot of people. It's a lot of kids. And having kids now understanding what it takes to make a kid write a letter and and you know get it out there and put a stamp and and you know put their heart and soul into it and. For a little kid, that letter is everything. Yeah. And, um, I probably didn't realize it enough at the time, but I realize it now. Yeah. Well, I mean, you guys touched a lot of hearts of children, I'm sure. <laughs> I hope so. I hope it was good. I always hear nice things from people. Um, I don't, I, it's funny. I, I really only remember the good stuff, but I don't know if there was any bad stuff. I'm sure there was, like in life, you know, oh, you get yeah. weird about stuff or bitter about stuff. I don't have those feelings associated with video and arcade top 10. That's great to hear because a lot of those bad stuff will drift away and you'll just remember the good stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so it's, it's, for me, it's entertainment. It was about doing a show. Uh, I love the video games, um, but it was really more about doing the show. And then it was, the show really turned into friendships of uh, wanting to keep working with your friends on this show. That's what I really like. Great, man. Thanks a lot, Nick. Yeah, thank you. It was nice talking. And there you have it. Another episode done. Huge thank you to Nicholas Pickles for joining me on this episode and talking about the good old days of doing video and arcade top 10. How amazing. Uh, again, thank you also to Oliver Eckstein for helping make the mix of this podcast sound so nice for your ears. You can check out his link to his website listed in the show notes. Um, so next week, I'll be back with another top five of favorite movies this time we're hitting the 90s and after that i'm gonna take a little break and start a new sort of schedule for this uh podcast i'm deciding to spend a little more time focusing on some more film work stuff and this does eat up a lot of time doing this weekly which i knew but it was great for the time that i was Still stuck quarantining, but now as we open up the phases and we're into the third phase here in Toronto, I'm going to try to divvy up my time a bit more. Uh, so get ready to hear a new schedule coming up. Thanks again for listening. And hey, what better time to start playing some video games than right now when we're all still sort of locked up? But have a good one, guys.